Hello and welcome to Gatsby Fridays, a show about getting the best out of a creative life from two creative directors working around the world and based in New York City. I'm your host, Alex Jamilio. And I'm Sarah Semi. Today, we talk about how the immigrant experience has shaped our perspective in the creative space. We talk about belonging and what home means living in a country you weren't born in. And at the end of each episode, we make a signature cocktail to toast cheers to you. So hang with us as we talk about immigration and belonging. I'm Alex. And I'm Sarah. And, and this, this is Gatsby, Gatsby Fridays. Fridays. Sarah, before we get into our conversation, let's do a check-in. How are you, and what are you wearing? I'm good. I feel a little intimidated about the subject matter we're about to discuss, so mm-hmm. we took our time today to get to mm-hmm. to get to recording um, because it feels very close to me. So it's a little bit of anxiety there, but otherwise, it's been a productive day. You know, life. There's always challenges that come your way, but then you just get through and. I don't know, prosper? What is that? The saying? <laughs> Live long and prosper. Yeah, so. <laughs> You're not pros- a Jackie. Okay. <laughs> like, I don't know. We're getting through it. I'm so not a Jackie. I, I, I wasn't even here in, in the country while that was happening, coming back to the main I'm topic. I'm not a Trekkie, and I even know that. I didn't. I wasn't even in this country when that was a thing, so clearly. But I just like the idea that, like, you know, you just kind of prosper. Like, you fight through, you get there. That's the kind of day that we had today. Um I'm wearing my winter uniform that mm. I've invested in at yes. the beginning of the season. My uh, fake leather appearing uh, carbon 38 leggings. They're still working. Um, that's the point. Oh, this is, I have another pair that's similar to this, a different kind of theme, but similar fake leather looking. You, you swapped them out? No, this is the new one. Oh, okay. That's all I'm going to wear for the rest of the year until it gets warm again. And, and the warm light gray sweater because winter uniform <laughs> like in the summer i get ex- at least even like i get excited about like wearing dresses and like it's, it's shorts or pants in a tank or something and i'm just like no it's cold i need leggings and a warm sweater if That's i it. were to make a t-shirt with your face on it as a graph if you were a graphic that i needed to distill into shapes it would be a big bulky sweater yeah. and leggings yeah, pretty much. And, and like leggings. light light gray, light gray top <laughs> and skinny black leggings because that's only. Yeah. That is perfect. So how are you doing? What are you wearing? Well, I'm happy. The big news today is that the Electoral College has uh, confirmed oh my God, that yes. Joe Biden is, in fact, the president-elect. Just wanted to get that. I didn't want to get political. I just want that to be on the record. It took how long? So people know. Yeah. I knew. So, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure everybody else knew. Yes. So, so. I am happy. I am I am ecstatic, actually, about that. It's about time. Let's just keep on moving forward. I mean, we'll come back to that eventually in, in this conversation about the, the premise of the United States and, and the whole, like, the fact that course correction, the possibilities of making mistakes is human, but then coming back and correcting them and doing better is, like, the administration that's going to come in is going to be so much better. It's going to, like, yeah. I don't expect that it's going to fix everything, but th- that's, we're going to come back to this idea of why the United States and why the immigration here is, like, something that I've tried, and we're going to talk about it. But I think it comes in the light of that, and I think it's very appropriate to celebrate it. There's finally a little bit of a clearing in the fog. Ooh. I am wearing... Um, 
a varsity sweater with paint splatter on it. And this is not paint splatter that I put this on it. This is varsity sweater, really? I thought it's a cable knit, meaning like really nerdy. Like, well, varsity, I think, is like this kind of like stitching like this. I mean, you're uh, the fashion expert. So I, 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 t- I call it a varsity sweater. It could be referred to as something else. But it has fake paint splatter, I mean, which is kind of funny. Because I like that. That kind of just makes it less nerdy. Exactly. Exactly. That was the hope. I don't know if I'd wear this again, though. Why? It's. I don't feel like it's me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little baggier than I. It's a little baggier than I. I wear my clothes. Uh, you know, stonewashed jeans, and my van sneakers because I still. How'd you end up wearing it today then? Well, I wanted I wanted something that reflect art. Oh, okay. And so I thought, oh, let me wear this because I had paint splatter that I did not put on myself. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> Forever the fashionista. And uh, you know, checkered vans. So I, I feel I feel good in my outfit. Yeah. Great. Sarah, art and design is a big theme in your life. What did you want to explore in terms of art as a creative living when you came to this country? Well, you know, I came here, I was very young. I was old enough to know where I came from. I was 18, and I had been in, in the U.S. for uh, when I was 15, when I was 13 and 15 for summer schools as ESL student. Um, I, I knew that I wanted to be here, well, culturally, uh, in terms of, you know, like, we all grew up in the 80s and 90s with movies and everybody like just this whole American dream being extremely like I don't know calling as a young person but from an art and uh, art and design perspective uh, growing up in in Turkey and this does not this only goes back to my personal experience from 20 years ago I went to uh, a very highly esteemed excellent high school private high school that was in the American style of teaching. There's a lot of different types of schools in, in Istanbul that are redeemed, that private high schools that are redeemed to be better education than the government institutions. Um, in Austrian, German, Italian, French. I went to an American high school. And my parents knew that in who I was as a child needed the type of education that's going to let me explore what I'm interested in instead of being in doctrine of what the curriculum called for. Even with that, uh, at that time, uh, art wasn't a focus in the education. I was always, I always wanted to do more with paints and art. I had one hour of art class or maybe two hours tops per week. And there was no art history when we were in high school. And it's one of the best schools in this, in the country. And we were offered, um, it's kind of like AP in, in the U.S. where it's called IB. It's an international baccalaureate. It's, uh, it's advanced an, placement. It's advanced placement kind of training where you volunteer for it, you pay for it, and you by the time you graduate, you get an additional certificate that says you completed college-level courses. And coming okay. from a foreign country, when you apply to U.S. colleges, that comes highly um, highly esteemed because then you're like, okay, this comes from a high school in Turkey, but they've completed this like internationally accepted level of education out of a high school. Did you get college credit for that? Um, I could have if I, if any of that was relevant to what I wanted to study. So there was two, two routes. You, the choice of not taking that was meant that you chose the easier route. You didn't change, choose a did more challenging around, and it did not. We were told it did not look good to American universities if you wanted to go abroad. So, 
it was either business administration or engineering. I'm like, I'm not interested in either one of those. I want to go into the arts and creatives. Yes. That path was not open. But this again, like I'm, the, I know that the the curriculums have evolved over the ten, the twenty years that I have been in high school. Then, but I did not get the freedom to explore art the way I wanted to when I was younger enough to figure out what my path should have been. So I always feel like I was a little delayed because of that mm. in exploring my personal expression, like. As soon as I graduated from college and I lived in New York City, I cut my hair really short and I dyed it like Ferrari red. <laughs> People do that when they're younger. <laughs> I did not need to be doing that at 23, but I didn't get it out of my system when I was younger because I did not get to do that when I was in high school and in college. I was just trying to figure out like how to study. Like I was, you know, I didn't have time to explore personal expressions. I was really worried about like you know keeping scholarships and like getting the best out of college kind of like so 23 out of college first job I'm like well let's dye my hair red like that kind of like creative expression was not available to me at the time 20 years ago when I was growing up so the premise of the United States was you the same way the American system high school fitted my personality in terms of like what I wanted to explore outside of school what I wanted to do join a club there were options of clubs it wasn't like told I wasn't told what to do which works well with my personality. My parents were very smart and get like knowing who I am to just really try hard to get me into that school. So I knew that I wanted to be here. And from that perspective, as soon as like I, I chose, it was between Bard College in upstate New York or Tulane. Tulane gave me a better scholarship. And Tulane was an incredible place because New Orleans is so eclectic and artistic. My I had incredible like actually practicing artists teaching me in college but also I didn't know I wasn't aware even to understand what type of art programs were involved but it was very fine arts rooted which has completely impacted my career to this day and I've talked about this before printmaking and really getting your hands dirty with your creative expression and I was never the the gifted person who sat down and drew an impeccable portrait of you with a pencil I have a different way of expressing visually but I was always in this need to be visually expressive so coming here allowed me to express like to explore all of that find my path if I stayed I'm sure I would have found some sort of creative path because if it's your calling you find your way you know there's a saying it's a Turkish saying like water will find its way through the cracks in the rocks like, it will find its way. Yes. You will come out. Like, if the creative thing is your calling, you will figure it out. And it For was me. New York, not like... It was well, being, I started in New Orleans, Turkey. right? Well, <laughs> it, was, it was America and not America Paris in terms of an educational London. system, yes. I, my parents, my parents, both of them went to European high schools mm-hmm. in Istanbul. Yeah. My dad, French, my mom, Austrian... And the European system is a little more strict. And they were taught by, well, in, in French friars and in and, and, and the Austrian high school with nuns. So it was very strict and driven by uh, a missionary service kind of thing. So it's like in a, in a Muslim country, they went to high schools that were driven by the church and, and people who devoted themselves to a missionary life. So even though the education is exceptional, the structure and, and the way that the teaching is 
is like right now the most popular I, I don't have kids I'm sure you understand this more but there's different types of education right Montessori is the most Montessori. popular one <laughs> but so that type of like it wasn't for for our for my generation 20 years ago in Turkey my parents knew that I wouldn't thrive in a European system mm. so going to an American system was they tried extra hard to get me into one of those I would have ended up in a German I think I got into the German high school but my parents knew that I belonged in, in an American system. Hmm. So there was a lot of, like, long story short, they got me into it. So from that perspective, I had no interest in coming to Europe. Like, I went to an American system. My All my teachers were American, from English to science to math. We studied everything in English, but not British English. There was no British influence, so London was never relevant. And hmm. my teachers were American. So I, I don't know, like, Europe was never a thing because my second language was English. Okay. And London was never a thing because it just didn't seem relevant at the time, especially in 90s. America seemed more attractive, I guess. I don't know. I can't really explain that part of it. I, I don't have a recollection of it. I have a... Uh... Just an, an affinity for London in the 90s. I just wanted to mention that. <laughs> I, I would love to study uh, in London during the 90s. The music, the fashion. But again, anyway. we have an age difference, right? So we we match most of the eras interculturally, but there's that one little tip of thing. Like when you say, I would have loved to study. Yes. Like in the 90s, you were of age to be studying independently as a grown, almost like a young adult yes. there. But in the 90s. Yes. I was 10 in 1990. <laughs> so, like, you know, that age difference, when you're that young, those very few years make that much of a big difference. But anyway, so the, America has always been, the U.S. has been the place to be. And studying here in a college where if I stayed in Turkey, I, I take a three-hour exam. That means that I passed. And then I take another three-hour exam that puts me in a program that I qualified against the entire population. I don't get to choose my major. I don't get to choose what I'm going to study. If I, if my points out of six hours of my entire existence hit psychology over art, I get stuck with psychology as my college education for the rest of my life. I don't get to study art. Mm. And the only arts education was you had to apply, but you had to be like incredibly gifted with a portfolio. I was never that kid. I needed to figure this out because my creative spirit comes not only from my visual sensibilities, but also from absorbing culture around me. I have built that over time. I wasn't as gifted. In college, I struggle a lot with composition and a lot of things. Like I, I go back and I see why... I didn't get certain grades, even though I just, I got so into details of certain things. I can see that now. And I learned it over time. I was there to learn. I was at the age to not be ready to be, like, accoladed. I was ready to learn. So the American system allows you to explore your path and find the right fit for yourself because it doesn't force you into certain molds. And to make sure that you explore all avenues, not... Yes not just the avenue that was predetermined for you necessarily. Yes. So I was very lucky to be at Tulane University who also has which also has a, a architectural school and I always felt like maybe maybe I, I was interested in architecture because it's a creative thing but it's a more solid occupation. I under, like I thought that I felt fondly off of it but I didn't know and they offered a minor 
a minor meaning like a minor I you had to take like six classes or one studio and four classes and I said well if I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this right so I took the studio class along with all the entry-level architecture students let me tell you <laughs> I learned very quickly that I did not want to be an architect but I also learned so many valuable lessons from that one semester that I still think about today, about how to think about space, how to think about full-on experiences in just one semester. And it was the hardest thing, I've, one of the hardest things I've done in college. No one forced me to. I was just like, well, if I'm going to take this minor, I'm going to do it, right? I just don't want to take lecture classes. I want to be in the studio with these guys. Mm. Um, but that's that's what the American system allows you to do. I got to experiment. In a, I got to dabble in an architectural program, I got it out of my system to know that I still, of course, I can learn. There's so much I can understand and appreciate, but it's not for me. Like, you don't get to do that. That all that you don't get to do that in Turkey at all. Like, I would have, I would have had to be a psycho. Like, I would have studied psychology now with a degree that I have nothing to do with because I'm not interested in that path at all. So coming to the U.S. for me was getting a better education. And being able to have the flexibility to carve out my own path. Mm. And that I knew that that was a creatively driven path. I just didn't know where it would lead because I didn't have enough experience in high school to express myself or explore arts or even learn about art history. All I wanted to do, like, first semester, I remember, like, sitting in my mom's summer house and, like, trying to pick classes from the printed like newsprint catalog they sent me and I was like I had to be on the phone with the Tulane operating system on a like you know and there's no internet like this is nine August <laughs> not, August no 1998 you gotta call them even if there was internet there was no internet in southern Turkey then there's barely any <laughs> so I I remember yeah it had to be done over the phone and I remember thinking like all I want is art and art history classes and if I if I get these enough, then I will know what kind of major I will pick at the end of the two years. The fact that a liberal arts program is a possibility that you take two years to really explore your interests, to finalize that, that was my immigration. That was my American dream. What brought me here was this promise of a better, a better education that I would get to explore before paving my own path, right? But you're first-generation American. Your mom immigrated here from Honduras. Her experience has been completely different. And do you think her decision to raise her children in the U.S. impacted your creative life? I think I think my mom knew early on that I was a creative uh, drawing and, and doing... Yeah, but you were born here. You were already born. I was born. born here. But I feel like she obviously didn't come to this country knowing that I was going to be a creative because I was born here. Once I was here, she had to... Art wasn't a thing in my family that was recognized as being a viable... Uh, Way to make a living. A job pursuit or career endeavor. But she knew that I was somebody who wanted to draw. And it was also a thing to keep me safe, to keep me at home, to keep me off the streets, so to speak. And so she invested. She invested in a drawing table. She invested in art materials. I went to a public school in New York City and art education wasn't the best and it was lacking. So she made arrangements for me to take extracurricular art classes that really propelled me not only into understanding art, but also understanding other people because I was able to meet other kids 
in expanded your circle in other in other aspects and genres of life just like when you came here and you started understanding a broader swath of not only the american psyche and the american personality but also just personalities in general was the same thing that i had to do even living in new york city yeah well of course it's just growing up and understanding the world that in a previous episode that you had to because of the public school curriculum you ended up taking these private classes and that led to pratt and parsons and sva and you i think i guess the difference is what I'm asking is, as a first-generation American, when you're exploring this creative life, did you feel like you belong? Did you feel like your path was in front of you if you ex- wanted to explore it? You belonged in a creative community. There was some place you were going for, or were you just like well, winging speaking, it? Speaking from the immigrant experience and, and my mom being an immigrant and also coming from, a, from an ideology that you came to this country to work hard and to earn a living and art wasn't in the equation you know like art is not something that i grew up with that was a viable means of getting out of the circumstances of the situation that i was currently in i have to give credit to my mom and my aunt for really seeing that here's a child who was precocious and really wanted to draw and we needed to find an avenue for him and I think it's just not the way my mother and her in her culture and the way she grew up I think maybe it's the generation too like I, I grew also up, generational I, I grew up with the same expectations there's always stories around that revolve around my parents but I think my parents knew that I needed to find a creative way to make like I needed to find a way to make a living out of my creative talents and expectations they they could see their kid had something but they weren't trying to make... If I said I was going to be a painter, they would be, like, worried. They weren't, like, yes, she's a painter. It wasn't... And, again, like, that's the expectation, though. At that age, at that generation, at that era, if you wanted to be a creative, other than this, like, madman scenario, which is, like, very unique and rare, making a living out of a creative profession was really not understood as common as it is now. So... I think we both got lucky with people that let us an open avenue for us and our families that they so we needed to just go and figure it out. And we just needed the tools to be presented to us. Did you have other members in your family or other members in your community that were artists that you could look towards in your community Not growing in up in Turkey? Career. No. Um, my grandmother uh, on my dad's side was was a wealthy wife so she she that that was her hobby she kept busy she was part of the japanese turkish association women's association and she would go teach like crafts lessons there but like it was just to keep her like socially engaged it wasn't anything artistically wild it was more craftsy what she did like you know the first time i did like glass piece mosaics was with her and then on and actually more influentially on my my mom's dad my grandfather on my mom's side I think he was an artist at heart. I think generationally, he never thought that art, being an artist was the path that he could have taken, which I think is, I still think about that very fondly. I always wonder, like, if he was born in this country, what, what would he be? Because generationally, he was a kid when the Turkish Republic was founded. There was, like, this whole, like, drive, you know, like, at that era. And 
he became a military man, so he was a lot more structured and rigid in certain ways, but he was a painter, he was a musician, he was an artist at heart, and he, he got into um, uh, calligraphy, which is a very, very Muslim art form because the depictions of uh, of Muhammad is not is prohibited in Muslim culture. So anything that was there, they made miniatures, miniature art forms, meaning um, people were de- people were depicted like as tiny, tiny things. So it was no longer a depiction of any particular person. They were so tiny that you couldn't really make resemblance of it. Oh. Or oh, calligraphy evolved because they couldn't make impressions of the face because they didn't want the same way the crisis idolized as as a face so they want so the letter form evolved so calligraphy became a huge art form and he became a calligraphist which is the one tattoo that I have on my wrist this is his is his artwork um so he was an inspirational artist but again that wasn't his primary way to make a living that's what he did when he retired from his military and civil duties like he would have never even considered like mm. become like artists being an artist is never a full-time job and that's a very rare and you had to be exceptionally talented as a kid for any family or social expectance to support you through that so culturally in that era it was not okay it's different now so we it was are more important open it was important for you to come here to study art and also Find a path. Find a path and explore opportunities. Yeah. So being what brought me here was the opportunities, and I, and I recognize that it's a it's. In the current political climate, I came here from a privileged perspective. I came here as a college student to a private university, and I got to stay, which I worked really hard not to take away from the work that I've done. But and I I came here as a scholarship student. Um, I couldn't afford it without scholarships, but my my immigrant experience is about finding my place in the world, and finding my place in the world. I come to the United States because the educational system was more promising to let me figure out my path, which I think is still true, um, but also I went to college in New Orleans. Yes. So from an art perspective, it's a very eclectic art community, but also very artist, which is not who I am. Very, it's not my personality to be that eclectic. There's, there's still very whimsy fine arts. Yes, fine very artists. whimsy fine arts. And I went to a fine arts program. That's what Tulane has, and but that gave me a wonderful groundwork to build from. And okay. I learned, like, I wouldn't take away that experience because sometimes, you know, life puts you in certain paths that, that you, it isn't exactly what you wanted, but you benefit from an integrated perspective, which I absolutely believe in that in this case. Um, but I knew, like, I came to New York for Thanksgiving, uh, my junior year, and then I knew I had to be here. I had to be here. I, I can't tell. Like, I didn't even explore the city that much. I was my friend's guest, so I followed them around. But I did my first internship, which is where I met you. And that that company already changed my perspective about all I knew about a creative way to make a living without being a broke artist was in advertising. I didn't love advertising. I just thought that that was the only way to at least be in the creative vicinity while still making a living. And then I found a company that does brand positioning. Hallelujah. What is that? Like, we actually define the brand itself. To, so... 
it becomes so New York already as soon as I got here gave me so much more to explore. <laughs> what did you see in New York that really captured your imagination? Like what streets did you walk down or what and I don't want to know what built like Again, like, like it wasn't an what, experience that's memorable enough to say like this is what changed my mind. I didn't get yeah. to see museums or anything. I was I was, was my friend's guest. I was just on the streets just walking around the city. I can't even describe it because it was God knows how many years ago. It was well, the streets will have that effect. It was, yes, it did. Ha- I guess maybe that's the effect. Yes. I, I can't really put my finger on it. I was a guest, so there were already plans in the works. But for the first time since I left home, I felt like I was in a, I was in a live city. So Istanbul, as much as it's in, now considered, I don't know, that's the bridge between Europe and the Middle East, but it is a metropolitan city. Hmm. And you raise your hand and cab stops. And then I go to New Orleans, which is suburban in a way. And it's homes and swamps and it's sticky weather and tropical storms. And you have to call a cab and wait 40 minutes for it to show up for you. Like, it was just like a very culturally like, this is America? (laughs) What is this? But I went to New Orleans. I had a lot of friends that went to Boston, which is kind of like a small town that protects you from like that kind of gives you the sense of enough of a city. But but then you come to New York. New York is something else. Yes. So coming here, I I, I mean, I I, I don't want to presume that I came to this country and said, okay, I came to the U.S. I belong here. I always knew that there was more to be promised to me here that I could do more. Mm-hmm. If I, I feel like, I felt like I, I could kind of get the sense that if I stayed in Turkey, there would be a lot more limitations in where I could pivot to or I would carve a path. But then I, and then you come to New York and that's, that's, I feel like New York is its own thing, creates an incredible amount of possibilities, but it also gives me that sense of belonging here that I can be as foreign as I want to be. I can be as different as I am but New York is a home to every person that wants to make it home. It is, I mean, there's, in the current political climate, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot more highlight on how different isn't accepted and how difficult it is. And I've, I read a lot of books about, you know, the, the latest one I read is The Conditional Citizen, where even when you get your green card and your citizenship, if you're not a born white American, it comes with conditions of how the qual comes with conditions of the quality of your life, and I can see that. I understand all of that, but from a creative life, New York thrives on you being different, contrast, and embraces it. So uh, there's there's a difference in my immigrant experience in that I don't pretend to under pretend to uh, assume to understand anybody else's immigration experience and the struggles and I don't want to focus on the bureaucracy of the paperwork but for me the acceptance is because it's New York mm. New York embraces your uniqueness did you see that that episode of Oprah's show on Apple when he when she had Obama, Obama yes. as the guest I showed you a little yes. <laughs> clip that was, they, that they was were the, with the green screen that was really cool was but um, and I've, I've heard him say that before too where he says my entire, he named his book with a promised land of like kind of like the similar emotional attachment to this country where he says, my story is only, only 
possible in this country of a white mother from Kansas and a black father from Africa that can create me to become the president of the United States. And it is only possible in this country, yeah. despite its challenges. And I love that that explanation of the possibilities of this country. So for me, the immigration story, I've written about it before, has challenges. And belonging is a very personal thing. There are challenges. There are moments that are very lonely. There are moments where I feel like, what am I doing? But in terms of the things that I've accomplished, I don't think I would. my story would be possible anywhere else. We talked a lot about me and why I chose to live in this country because I chose to live somewhere else than I was born versus you were born here. Yes. So you were already in New York. Why would you go anywhere else, <laughs> right? Like New York or nowhere. That's just kind of like, I don't want to keep harping on that. But um, but there's also cultural things that we carry through from your heritage, from my heritage. I have taken you and your wife to a, a Turkish restaurant once, like about 10 years ago, because you were like, you both were like, we want to eat Turkish food. Where do we go? And there's plenty of city places in the city that I have my preferences. I'm very picky. Um, there's also really terrible places in the city, <laughs> Um, but also from from your perspective, like your mom came here and, you know, the food and the food and music are usually what we carry and what we hold close to our hearts when we no longer live where we we know and we were familiar with. Right. So what can you tell about like, growing up in a home as first generation American? Your first language ends up being American, but you're in a bilingual home, music, food. How did you carry that through? How did you find your identity as different than your mom? So in my household, we spoke Spanish at home. Mm -hmm. But because of the generation that I grew up in, so my mom spoke in Spanish and we responded back in English. That's interesting. But extending that culturally outside of the home, once again, I, I go out into the world and New York, yes, I was born here, all this opportunity was here, but... I was not aware of it until I became of age to start really traveling around the city on my own. Of course. And you were a kid. I was a kid. Going to the East Village, going to the, going to the village and seeing all the art, the different characters and personalities that you, can, that you can run into and bump into. And, you know, not to feel nostalgic about that time in New York during the early, early mid, late 90s. But that was a very special time, not without its violence and cultural strifes. But it was good. It was good. And New York gave me the opportunity to really see a broad swath of people and a broad swath of, of, of creative outlets. It wasn't just looking at the people was one thing, but also looking at the, the music that was coming out of New York during the time, during the 90s the, and the late 80s. But that's the thing. Like, the music and the food that was at home, I feel like, gave me the base just like here you are in new york and your turkish interior is still with you even though you travel through the world and through this country as you as your individual self as sarah the traveler sarah the explorer sarah the thinker it's the same thing like i still carry a lot of my own cultural heritage with me but i am still alex the thinker who goes out and carries his heritage and thinks beyond that and, of and expands on that. How um, does that how does that heritage reflect on your aesthetic or your choices? I always want to draw back on on my 
cultural heritage to kind of move me forward. Colors, rhythms, and shapes always play into just the background of my thinking. And that's something I, I would like to explore more over time. I have an uncle who is a painter and he paints in vibrant colors and he paints a lot of cultural scenes. And every time I think of my graphic identity now and how I love bright shapes and colors, all that extends from my cultural roots, from his teaching me how to paint in the 80s while I was in Honduras with him, you know, sitting over his easel and, and, and filling in big strokes of color. And a lot of that plays into my aesthetic now. So even when we're young, when we don't really recognize the impact of our surroundings immediately, and obviously at that age, no one really thinks in depth about any of that. This many years later, you and I both pull back from our earliest interactions with creativity and art, and that means culturally from our background. Sarah, my last question to you. What is home? What is home to me? Home is, oh, it's so many things. I don't think it's one definition. Um, makes me think of that podcast. You know, one of my, one of the very few that I have sent you, you always send me more. Uh, Krista Tippett's conversation with Richard Blanco, this Cuban immigrant who was a civil engineer that became a poet. And he, he read his poetry in the White House and stuff. And he got to do that because he really reflects this immigrant experience and belonging and cultural clashes of like, you know, being Cuban and celebrating Thanksgiving and the turkey versus the pork, like how the rest of the family responds to it, the elders. And there's a lot of like a lot of like and then he goes, you know, like, what is home? It's like asking what love is. What is that? It's it's such like there's no explanation. It's not one definition. For me, home is you know, or is it where you put your head to sleep, or is it the shelter you keep over your head, or where I belong? I came here when I was eighteen. I'm forty years old now. I grew up here in a way, in a in a sense of that I had my formative adult years. I have lived in this country longer than I have lived in Turkey. I was born there. My family is there, meaning my parents and, you know, my mom and dad. And I only have one cousin and her parents. And that's my extended family. You know, like, and then you have, like, you know, the people you call family. Mm-hmm. I don't have a huge family to begin with. So home is, it's not home there. I haven't been there. I haven't lived there since I was 18. So I don't know where my home is. <laughs> home is hard to define for me. Home is where I feel like I belong, which is New York. Yes. That not necessarily every part of the U.S., but like here, I've also built all my friendships here. I have friends here that I've established since I was 18, since I've gotten here that, you know, so that I don't know where home is. And I think that's the definition in, in, in almost where like what couple out weeks out from 2021 is that I think the question is, where do you feel like you belong? It's more than where, what's home home because where you feel like you belong is where you can make your home i think i have to spin it that way because i think in this day and age with all the political immigration refugee all of these conversations the same way that we said race is social construct also borders are political constructs so the immigration is less about if i'm allowed in this country or not more about where i belong so home home is New York. I wonder about that. I wonder, I, I actually wonder if I can make home somewhere else. I love, I have an affinity for Asia. 
I hoped one day that home would be Tokyo, or home would be Shanghai, or home would be Singapore. Life had different plans. Life had different plans for me, but who knows? I mean, life is still wide and open. See, I think maybe the concept of home is fluid, where you belong and where you make home. And now for our favorite part of this and every episode, our signature cocktail. Alex, what do you have for us today? So I was thinking about flavors, and I was thinking about our conversation earlier, and about、uh, country and roots. And what I thought would be the best thing to do: pull flavors from my mother's Honduran and my Honduran culture, and that is the tamarindo、uh, fruit. What we wanted to do today was to make a, to create a dark and stormy. And I love this drink, and I love that we made this drink while we were listening to music. Oh yes. We were listening to Andy Palacio, who is a、uh, who has since passed away, who is a Garifuna singer and musician. And let's get into the drink. So for our drink today, it's a tamarindo dark and stormy, and that consists of two parts dark rum, two parts tamarindo soda, and two parts ginger beer. You fill a Collins glass with ice. You place sliced lime on the inside as a decoration, and you pour it all the contents into a glass, and you and you finish off. With a garnish of a sliced lime wheel, and you enjoy. It was really good. We had a couple of them. We had a couple of them. <laughs> <laughs> I was very good, and the music was lovely. Coming back to the music conversation, how often do you listen to music from Honduras、oh, or like roots? You know, like because I want to ask、I've、you never, that too. Oh yeah, that's, that's my dark deep secret. That's that's my dark deep secret. I I unfortunately don't listen to it. As much as I would like to, and you know what? That no, okay, I take that back. That's not even an excuse. You listen to music when you feel the mood to and 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 the desire to listen to music. So that's that. It was nice. I'm、I、just gonna say.、It. I'm gonna say this. It was nice for us to listen to music while we were preparing this episode, while we were preparing this drink. I I really appreciated also learning about this music and the history of it and the heritage of it and what it means to you. It it was a very new experience for us to explore music, and it was、well, nice to have music around. Well, it was nice to meet your music of your heritage. I I've never heard you talk about、I、this know, before ever.、Yeah. It's it was very new and refreshing, and you brought it up, and I loved it. I thought I thought it was wonderful. I wanted to ask you when when do you have the opportunity to listen to Turkish music? That's something I do in in the privacy of my own apartment.、Mm-hmm. It's not something that anybody else listens. There was a moment last fall at Barrio Chino on the Lower East Side, the Mexican, my one of my favorite Mexican restaurants in the city. I've been there.、Uh, it's so good that all of a sudden this one one song broke out of this one artist, British Mancho. Any Turkish people listening out there? And and I'm surrounded by a bunch of friends that I've known for a very long time, and I look around and I'm like, there's not a single person that understands. The joy that I feel when I hear this music in the Lori side in a Mexican restaurant, and it's Turkish rock from like the late seventies, and I'm like, oh my god! And they're looking at me like, what? Like, but, but you don't understand.、So、Did it break your heart? No, it doesn't matter. The fact that I heard it, it like, and growing up, like I didn't grow up with listening to Turkish pop as much, and 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 the house, so like, I. People always, my friends always seem to be surprised, but music is a big, big, big connection to my heritage. 
it's not something that I share publicly as much because they don't really know the songs. It doesn't mean the same way to them. That's why I was so excited when you shared the music today, which is something we've never done before, even though we talk a lot about stuff. Well, it came out in this episode because I thought it was out. It was very appropriate, this episode, but I understand the music is, is a huge tie to to emotions about one's culture this culture that i may not live it every day but you know i i listen to it on my own a lot more than i probably realize and when i listen to it 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 definitely stirs something in me that brings me back and i'm and i can't quite define what the quote-unquote bringing back is it just it's, yeah, it's warm like, and it centers me. Yes, it's not something that's bringing back that you're like longing something that you're lacking now. No, it's no. just it's a very fond feeling, and there's something about like you know, thank you quarantine. I do a lot of like solo singing parties in my apartment <laughs> now because otherwise I'll go crazy. But it's like just there's something about singing out loud in in Turkish that I only talk Turkish to my mom and dad when I call them on the phone. It's not something that I do daily. So that also just like changes things. The music is is a very primal connection, and I think that's how we carry. I I think I carry surprisingly through more with music than I do with food. We'll have a link in our um, Instagram and our website for the music of Andy Palacio. Thank you for hanging with us. For a list of the resources mentioned in this episode, hop onto our site, GatsbyFridays.com. You can find the Tamarindo Dark and Stormy recipe on our site, GatsbyFridays.com. For show notes, or if you want to leave a comment, suggest a show topic, get at us on our site. Don't forget to rate us, give us five stars, write a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps to get us in front of more ears and build an audience. Or if you're a Spotify person, make sure you follow us at Gatsby Fridays. Follow us on Instagram for exclusive content like Alex making this week's drink on our Insta stories throughout the week. Stay with us on our next episode. We continue our series, Pop Culture Legacy. This This is is Gatsby Gatsby Fridays. Fridays.